Welcome, welcome. So good to see everyone here. Well, thank you. Who said that? I heard somebody. Nice. Oh, there's Stephen Giordano back from Africa. Very cool. Well, I made a tactical blunder last week. I announced that we're going to talk about healing this week and get some people healed. And I got the sickest I have been since I can remember. So that's the, that was the witness that we're on track, right? If you don't understand that, you haven't been around very long. So, um, I think it's, it's awesome to feel bad and preach on healing. It, it's, it's awesome. I'm serious. If you can't enjoy mystery, being a Christian is going to be very difficult, ladies and gentlemen. So, and I don't even care why. What difference does it make? We think if we understood why, we could fix everything, but you can't. Understanding, in some cases, is very overrated. Other times, it's very necessary. So we are in, in the Gospel of Matthew and for the first number of weeks, we were emphasizing um, the Sermon on the Mount. And if you look at the um, historical order in the New Testament, Jesus began to heal people on a wholesale basis before they would come listen to him preach. And actually, that's what he really did. He... he um, he had the most remarkable healing ministry ever. And I think we need to recognize, and please hear me out, um, Jesus did not heal people because he was God, although he was. He healed people to demonstrate what a man could do filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a huge, there's a huge difference between those two understandings. I'm not diminishing the divinity of Christ at all. You've got to understand, though, what his mission was. His mission wasn't to come show the world how God would live if he came here. He really came to show us how mankind was intended to live from the very beginning. And so um, Jesus was, say, normal. Normal. Jesus was normal. That needs to register, doesn't it? Um, and Jesus is wonderful. Uh, he is so wonderful. I just love Jesus. I really do. Let me say that again. Jesus is wonderful. I love the Holy Ghost. About ready to go into the Apostles' Creed. Um, and the other thing I want us to do, too, because I believe um, people are going to get healed today. And we're going to have an opportunity to do that. So I was informed last week that I preach um, much longer than everybody else who comes up here. And uh, I didn't really believe it, but I went back and checked, and it was true. But I averaged one 12-minute message, and it, and it brought me down into the mid-40s, which made me feel a lot better. But um, I don't know how long I'll go today, but I'm apologizing in advance maybe. But um, anyway... We just want to invite you, Holy Spirit, to um, to do things for people today that we can't 
just generate ourselves in our humanity or our intelligence or or any of that. So Holy Spirit, um, you're the dynamic operator of the universe. You're the one that hovered hovered over the face of the waters. And one picture of the Holy Spirit is of a vibration, a vibrating wind. And um, uh, if you've ever been around, um, well, that's not a good way to put it, but there's something about the presence of the Lord that, that uh, well, you feel him. You know what I'm saying? You feel the presence of the Lord. And so when you feel the presence of the Lord, he, he, a lot of times it's because it's something he wants to do. But he wants us to cooperate. The Bible is very clear. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. God, who's everywhere at all times, restrains himself from doing what he can do when he's not wanted. Do you understand that? That God won't just invade your life. I mean, he can do whatever he wants to, and sometimes maybe he will, but by and large, he's waiting for an invitation. And and Jesus made it very clear to as many, of the, the New Testament, to as many as received him. Jesus has a rejection complex. If you reject him, he will be rejected. But to as many as received him, unto them he gave the right, the privilege, and the authority to become children of God. Now, I don't want to get into politics, but our nation in certain ways have told God, we don't want you in our schools. We don't want people praying. And people don't understand how serious that can really be. We need God in our schools. We need to invite him back. We really do. We really do. Um, anyway, God is so good. I just love you, Jesus. Let's say that together. Lord Jesus, we just love you. We love you. We welcome who you are. We welcome what you do. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy, oh, I was reading this book. It was really pretty funny. A, a fellow wrote a three-volume book called Activity of the Holy Spirit Since Pentecost. And he absolutely refutes cessationism, which says miracles ended after the first century. And one thing I read that I thought was absolutely hysterical, one of the things that would happen to people is when the Holy Ghost would touch them, they would resemble intoxicated people. And in the, in the second or third century, maybe it was, this one woman in particular got so intoxicated. She got so intoxicated, it was really humiliating. And But when she began to speak under that divine influence, they were amazed at what she would say. And so they called, they called her um, Balaam's ass with the golden mouth. Which, <laughs> and so you have evidences all the way down through history of God doing things that people presume or assume or don't, don't believe he, he will do. But he really... He really is restricted oftentimes by our, our openness, our, our welcoming. 
You know, how many of, of you gone to someone's house that didn't really want you there? I'll stay anyway. I don't care. <laughs> now that that's not true, but um, there and God, God is a very relational person. They they say his his father. You know, he's relational. So we just want to welcome. You feel the atmosphere here. Is there's a there's a good atmosphere here of of the presence of God, and I know. He's looking at each of us and and wondering what we would just let him do this morning. Well, um, we're launching here from Matthew chapter 10 in the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Um, one of the problems in the 20th century was um, the American church began to major on the gospel of personal salvation. And their idea was if you're not born again, you won't go to heaven when you die. But Jesus never although that is true, but Jesus didn't speak in those terms. He called the born-again experience what it took to access the kingdom of heaven on a continual and regular basis. And I can prove that to you six ways from Sunday. It's literally what he said. That's not an interpretation. That's not a concept. Um, that's exactly what he was saying to Nicodemus. Um, and And so... When Jesus preached the gospel, he preached a gospel that included more than just going to heaven when you die and being personally secure about your salvation. That wasn't his thought process at all, although it incorporates that as an aspect of it. And so let's read this together out of Matthew 10, 7, and 8. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. And so Jesus understood this is how it was to preach the kingdom of heaven or the gospel of the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom of God. And Paul actually called it the gospel of the grace of God. The fact is the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that kingdom is a vibrant, powerful resourceful kingdom, but it needs to be accessed by faith. And that's the message Jesus came proclaiming, which was also the message John the Baptist proclaimed, which was also the message the apostle Paul proclaimed. And every truly perceptive apostolic person proclaims. It's the gospel of an available kingdom, not just a personal personal salvation. So, healing attends the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Um, if the kingdom of heaven is at hand, let me, let me do a little exercise. Look at the end of your arm. Take your left arm. Look at the end of your arm. What do you see down there? Please participate, dear. <laughs> she still won't. That's okay. You're new here. We love you. It's awesome. <laughs> What's at the end of your arm? Your hand. And the gospel says, the Jesus gospel is the kingdom of heaven is at, at hand. I have literally taken that. I have taken that literally, literally taken that literally and said, I'll reach into the kingdom of heaven with my hand and take out a healing and released it to people and have seen them get healed. Didn't work for me last week at the house, but you've got to love the mystery. You really do. Um, now, this is a great verse. Let's read this together. Jesus Christ, 
<clears throat> yeah, Jesus Christ is the same. What would that mean? He's the same yesterday, today and forever. It means what he used to do, he'll still do. And we can count on him doing it in the future because it's who he is. Um, I really like that. Um, I have a testimony. I actually have two testimonies I want to read. And you know the Apostle Paul said he did not brag about what God had done except what God had done through him. Paul was very clear about that. And what he meant was, I am not telling you something God did that I have no personal experience or knowledge with. This is who he's been in my life, was part of his, part of his testimony. And so this first testimony is a miracle. It happened to a person who's here this morning. And so, actually, Don Hardister's in the back. He's a very dear friend of mine. Stand up, Don. Let everybody see you for a second. Everybody look back there at Don. Don is one of the most remarkable people I've ever met in my life. And, um, but as head of a security large regional hospital, Don assisted his staff in keeping order when patients became violent. One night, a psychotic man knocked him down slamming his head against a door handle in a room <coughs> excuse me, where violent patients were contained. When Don stood up, he knew he was badly hurt. He could not see out of one eye and had a strange salty taste in his mouth. In a few minutes, his vision partially returned but was still very bad. And so I got him to describe this incident. So this is his very words. After securing the patient, I told the doc on duty that I thought I was badly hurt. <coughs> my vision had returned, but was really bad. He looked at my eye and didn't seem too concerned until I told him about the salty taste in my mouth. That's when he said we had better do an x-ray. The x-ray revealed that I had a blowout fracture of the eye orbit. That's the bone structure around his eye was cracked. He said the fracture would require surgery to correct. He was also concerned about the eye muscle because the eye was not tracking correctly. I remained in this condition for several days. I remember you calling and I think I told you about the surgery and that I didn't want to go through that. My vision was getting worse by the day and without my tear ducts flowing properly, my eye got very dry and painful. I had just gone around to the emergency room and stood in front of the eye chart to check my vision when the same doc came by and asked me what I was doing. I told him I was looking at the eye chart to check my vision because I knew it was getting worse. He checked my vision for me and determined it to be 2200. Yeah, 2020s. Good vision. 2200s. Uh, bad vision. Having become depressed of my condition, I returned to my office and you called. So I called him on the phone. I told you they had given me some fake tear stuff to put in my eye to treat the dryness and you offered to pray for me. At some point during the prayer, my damaged eye started running tears on its own. At first, I was confused because before the tears were going down the sinus passage and in the back of my throat. 
I think I actually stopped you in mid-prayer. That's God right there. And said I needed to go back around to see the doctor. I had so many tears flowing that it wet a good portion of the front of my shirt and tie. I really didn't know if this new development was a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) My vision seemed better, so I tried the eye chart again. I had a hard time at first because my eye continued to run tears and was real blurry. Finally, the tears stopped. I began looking at the eye chart again when the doctor came over and actually asked if I thought my vision was getting worse. I told him my pastor had prayed for me um, and that my tears were now flowing on the outside instead of the inside. He got some type of drops and put them in my eye and said to sit still for a few minutes. When the tears completely stopped flowing, he came back to check my vision again. My vision had returned to 2016 better than 2020 vision, what it was before the injury. You still got 2016 vision, Don? 2040. That's right. Wow. The biggest problem I had at this point was with working was with the workman's compensation folks. I refused further treatment, and they had fits. They told me that if I didn't go ahead with my operation, my workers' compensation insurance would no longer cover my eye. But I refused the surgery because I no longer needed it. Yeah, it was completely healed. And I, yeah, it was Jesus. Now, the thing is, I didn't feel any special unction to pray. He hurt, I prayed, and God interrupted the prayer by healing him. That's basically, that's basically what happened. And um, it's just, it's, God wants to do things like that. All right, now, um, Jesus healed everyone. You really need to see that. Um, everyone who came to Jesus and asked to be healed got healed. And so you find this in Matthew's gospel alone, this kind of statement six times. Now, what that means is it's not in the New Testament six times, repeated in the other book. But no, this happens so frequently in Matthew's record of the three-and-a-half-year ministry of Jesus, it showed up six times. And here's one of them. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You see, there it is again. And healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And then you see in Matthew, um, you know, 8, 16, and 17, it reads, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. We find that over and over and over again. Um,
Matthew 8, 16, and 17 adds something I think is important to look at. Let's read this together. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. It might be fulfilled. <coughs> Let's read that last phrase saying he himself took our infirmities and that's a quote from Isaiah 53 4 so what did Jesus take our infirmities what did he bear our sicknesses and that that's that's a very um, there's there's been a lot of Disagreement about that Isaiah 53 passage. Um, but I really believe what that means is that when Jesus died on the cross, he did not just die for our sins, but he died bearing the experience of our sins and our sicknesses. And the Bible says that very plainly. He became sin for us. Let's say that together. He became sin for us. And then it says later that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so true Christianity is a, is a, it's a mystic religion. I mean, it, it's an Eastern religion. It, it wasn't born in Paris or London. It, it, it came out of the Far East and Far Eastern people don't think the way we think. We're these rational, I don't know what we are, but we, we are logical and we look at things practically. And then you find a God who sends his son in a moment in time and declares him to be the answer of the world for the forgiveness of sins. And we're still trying to understand how all of that worked. But see, the idea is it's not knowing how it works that saves you. It's believing in who he is and what he's done that saves you. A very intelligent person can have great difficulty coming into the kingdom when someone that thinks a lot simply and smaller has no problem at all because they exercise faith in this person, faith in the person of Jesus. And the Bible tells us he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Well, then we ask ourselves, why do we still have them? Well, there you are. You're living this life. You were born in a war zone. You were born in a war zone. If you don't understand, you know, do, do bad things happen? Do good things happen to bad people? Yes. Do bad things happen to good people? Yes. How do we explain it? We, we can't hardly. It's like the human condition. But Jesus came... Not even to answer all our philosophical questions, but he came and became a participant of suffering at the most profound and highest and deepest and most agonizing level. He may not explain, but he understands. He can feel the depth of any person's suffering under any circumstance. And he promises to help us. 
if we will call on him and believe in him. Man, understanding is so important in certain ways, but it's peace that passes understanding is the kind of peace you need to have in a 21st century world with the confusion and difficulty and challenges that we have. We need to have a God we can depend on and a God we can trust when things work out and when things fall apart because they will work out and they will fall apart. And if you just agonize over the falling apart and if you can just somehow... If you distance yourself from God because of your disappointments, you have entered into a realm with very few solutions. You really have. At the end of the day, no matter what your problem, what your situation, what your difficulty is, here is what you face. Make life better or it will get worse for sure. I'm serious. I'm serious. I felt real strong about that, but I felt like the Lord's reaching out to us to penetrate, to go through, to break down our concepts and our walls and the things we can, you know, our minds think we're in control, but reality shows us we're not. And so what does the person who's not in control do? He's got to trust God. He's got to cast himself on someone wiser and stronger and smarter and more dependable than themselves. Man, people have said to me, gosh, Christianity is just a crutch. I said, give me two crutches and a wheelchair. I'll take whatever it is I need. In my best moment, I am in desperate need of help. It's true. God's good. You see, we do warfare with the Bible. We don't look at the Bible and say the Bible's not true because it doesn't measure up to reality. No, you take the Bible and you smack reality with it. What you do is your warfare, it's your tool, it's your weapon, it's your process, it's your method. Oh, my good. Oh, thank you. Uh, You're with me. Uh, This is just some of my own personal philosophical moorings that have helped me navigate over the years. Took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Isn't that good news? Well, why am I still sick? I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, enjoy the mystery. Let's get well. Let's get healed. Let's believe God. Let's, let's break this atmosphere of corporate unbelief so I don't blame people who are sick who don't get healed because of their own unbelief. I think it's the corporate unbelieving church who should be held responsible. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, we live by atmosphere. We live by community atmosphere. You know that's true. <coughs> so we have a responsibility to believe God for everybody else. We do. Don was telling me, he saw an interview with T.D. Jakes, and T.D. Jakes 
grew up in West Virginia. He said, I don't need all this stuff. I don't need all this money. I don't need all this TV. I don't need all these churches. I don't need all these books. He said, I grew up in West Virginia. You could give me a hot plate and some hot sauce and stick me out in the woods of West Virginia. He said, I'd be happy for the rest of my life. And what he was thinking was, I'm quitting. I'm tired of what the media has said about me. And he ran into this woman in the airport. And this woman came up and grabbed him by the coat and said, listen, <clears throat> something terrible happened to me. I got so sick I didn't think I was going to make it. I lost everything. <clears throat> she said, you're the only thing that kept me going. Your preaching was the only thing that kept me sane. And then she looked at him and she said, it's for us. It's not for them. It's for people like us. It's not for the media to approve or disapprove. It's for the people whose lives we can touch. We have to live for somebody bigger than me. We have to understand we do have responsibility to lay hold of God for generations. Not just personally, not just for families, but for neighborhoods, for cities, for states. I believe we're going to see a great national awakening. I wrote a book about it. It's coming out in August. I'm either going to be right or wrong. And I don't even care if I'm wrong, if it will still encourage people to believe God. I don't even care about that because I'm not living to make everybody think everything I think is right. That's not what we're doing. We, we have met God in the person of Christ Jesus. We, we have um, a power available to us that can ransom people's lives and change situations in ways nobody else has. There's not a pill you can take that will do that. There's not a program you can participate in that will do that necessarily. But there is the power of the Spirit of God who operates through people who are really friendly with Him, who embrace Him, who will warm toward Him, who welcome Him, who believe in Him, who trust Him. I think John Mark's waiting until my cough gets the best of me. I think he's... Ready to come preach maybe, but I'm doing, I'm hanging in there pretty good. Everybody said that God bless Robin. God bless Robin. Amen. All right. That's all I, that's all I needed. That was a good one right there. You ready for testimony number two? Now this is a guy, Don Hardister and I both know. It happened a pretty good while back, but. I've got some newer ones, but this one's so remarkable. At 64 years old, Gene suffered a stroke that affected his left side. The normally vibrant man could not raise his left arm and began walking with a cane to support his atrophied left leg. At the time, I didn't know specifically how the stroke affected him, but one Sunday night, as he and his wife came through the front door of the church, I said, Gene, you're going to get healed tonight. After saying that, I began to panic. <laughs> I had no idea. I just, I didn't know how it was going to happen. I found myself saying that. Once you said it, it was out of the bag. Well, our Sunday evening meetings usually involved a time devoted to ministering to anyone who needed it. 
Um, we would invite people to come forward and along with different teams begin to pray for people with different physical problems or needs. When several of us came to Gene, I asked him to raise both hands to the Lord while we prayed for him. He immediately stuck both hands straight up in the air. Now, I didn't know he couldn't. And apparently he didn't know he couldn't. After a few minutes, we left him to pray for some others. Several times we returned to him and prayed some more. The whole while he patiently stood with both hands up in the air. I called this method of ministry giving people a few treatments since we would often return multiple times to pray. And I can remember we would lay hands on people and every once in a while I might hit them, but lovingly. So we were praying for Gene. We were roughing him up pretty good. After a while, I got tired of praying for him and realized that since I didn't know how the stroke had affected him, I wouldn't know when or if he was healed. So he stood there with both hands stuck up in there, and I asked him what he couldn't do since having the stroke. A sly smile creased his face, and he said that he couldn't lift his left hand above his waist. I realized then that he began being healed at the beginning. The very moment I asked him to raise his hands, even before we began to pray. Now, that is an aspect of being healed is when you're prayed for, you try to do what you couldn't do. You try to do what you're being prayed for in faith. And lots of times that's when the change comes. So, I asked him what else he couldn't do. He said he couldn't lift his left foot off the floor. When I asked him to do that, he instantly lifted his knee to waist level. By then, everyone watching was shouting and praising the Lord. Then G did something I have never seen anyone do before or since. He started hopping up and down, forward and backward, on his bad left leg alone, and he would kick his other leg backwards and forwards while he was doing it. Uh, it was really very, very strange. <laughs> Next, he and I ran around the room together. That was the miracle right there. <laughs> I was a little winded, but he was completely healed. <laughs> the next day, he walked two miles and began doing so three to four times a week since then. Gene and his wife moved to Myrtle Beach. Last time I talked to him, he continued to walk on the beach and um, last time I talked to him was 11 years after this happened, and he was still, he was still healed. So, yeah. Well, um, I'm just. The Lord's good. I know he wants to touch people. I really do. Um, I'm going to maybe call out a few conditions. And if you have that, why don't you stand and we're going to pray for you. But I felt just now something about earaches and um, loss, loss of hearing. Anyone with earaches or loss of hearing, why don't you just stand up? 
Yeah. And, um, okay, let's just see who these people are. Okay. How about an irregular heartbeat? Has anyone got an irregular heartbeat? Wave at me if you do. Anyone here with that? Did you raise your hand? You have an irregular heartbeat? You do. Okay. And we have one in the back. Okay. A couple here. Okay. And someone over here. Wow. Um, what is fibromyalgia? Is that when your body hurts all the time? Yeah, I might have some of that. But anybody got that? Fiber, fibromyalgia? There you go. Too bad. But good you stood. You know, joint pain. Everybody stand up for that one probably. But head trauma, head trauma, you, um, you've had some kind of a, in some kind of an accident and it damaged, you had some serious brain injury at some point. Anybody hear that waving at me? You, you, yeah, okay, and you, okay. And um, how about cracked vertebrae in the neck? Has anyone... Anyone got that vertebrae in the neck? Okay. All right. Very interesting. Well, um, you know, Jesus took authority, first of all, over evil spirits. And um, I'm going to do that first. And I'm not thinking everybody's demon-possessed, but I'm just going to do what Jesus did because a lot of sickness is evil-oriented, obviously. So let's do that first. Holy Spirit, uh, we're grateful you're here today. We're so thankful that you uh, sent the gospel of the kingdom, that healing is our portion, and that, Jesus, you spent so much of your time healing sick people. And in the name of Jesus, we take authority over any and all evil spirits, anyone afflicted with an evil spirit, or um, any ailment or illness connected to uh, evil spirits, we cancel your authority now. We command in the name of Jesus that you do not have access any further and that your power is officially broken in this place for each one of these people. One of the things I'd like for us to do is um, I'd like for us to lay hands on these people, but I want you to get their permission, and I want you to do do it appropriately. So um, some of you that want to pray for these people, hop out of your seats, and uh, let's make sure everybody has someone Yeah, the vice is back here. You got somebody praying for you now? Wave at me if you do not have anyone laying hands on you. How about you in the back, dear? You have someone? Blonde, no one? Yeah. Stick your hand up in the air if no one's with you and you would like for somebody to come pray for you. You're praying? I'm waving. 
You're praying, I'm waving. <laughs> oh, we just laugh at sickness and disease. We don't bow, we don't receive, we don't agree. We speak to every infirmity now in the name of Jesus, and we command healing to come. We command healing for earaches and ear loss. Come now in the name of Jesus. We ask that irregular heartbeats come back to normal and maintain normalcy now for the rest of their lives. Lord, for fibromyalgia, we break the curse. We break that strength. We release to joints, to neurological systems, brand new health in Jesus' name. And for head trauma, things that have affected the mind, the thinking, um, ADHD and all of those other initials that cause us problems and difficulties, we release healing for that now. The ability to see correctly what you read, <clears throat> the ability to see numbers accurately, the ability to have comprehension when you read, come now. We release to minds accuracy, clarity in Jesus' name. Aha, that powerful name of Jesus. Let that come now. For bad backs, bad knees, bad joints. Lord, we would ask you to release a heavenly joint fluid. That would replace lost and torn tissue in the knees and the between. What are those things in your spine called? Vertebrae and elbows and knees and necks. Lord, send miraculous, miraculous fluid in Jesus' name. Replace torn meniscus. We're just waiting on you, Lord. Go ahead. We just agree with you what you're doing. Boy, the warmth of God's come in this place. I'll tell you that. Lord, let your healing heat flow. Let it flow, Lord. Lord, we pray against that flu. Lord, against um, all of that contagious stuff going around. We, we, we ask for protection and care from it in Jesus' name. We ask for deliverance from it from any of us who've had that instantaneous, miraculous cure. I keep having this thought. Does anyone have metal in your body from an accident? You got metal in your body? Wave at me if you got metal. Stand up if you got metal in your body. Let's, I've, I've seen times when the Lord actually melts that metal and you don't have it anymore. Who wants that? Yeah, why not pray that? Or tooth, teeth. God will give you teeth. I don't care. Whatever you need. But let's believe God. Let's, let's be extreme. Let's be extreme. You know, if you go for normal, you get less than normal. If you get extreme, you get normal. So, Lord, we ask that um, metal would melt, that all of those things would, um, would come back to normal. Lord, I remember that night you took Mike, touched Mike Dickerman. You healed his back from many, many years of trouble and pain. 
We just ask for all these things in Jesus' name. Now, let me ask this. Over the next coming weeks, give us testimony of what God healed. And did anyone know you got healed today? Anyone's condition better than it was? Do we have anyone who can verify that today? Test out what you had ailing and see if it's better. Anyone here? I remember um, when Bambi was in that wreck. What, that garbage truck hit her? Was that what happened to her? It's a dump truck hit hit uh, Bambi, Bambi Johnson now, and she was in a boot. You remember that, Stephen? She was in that walking boot, and she could barely walk, and she had pain, and we prayed for her at the, at the vision light, and God, she went and walked the mall that afternoon. And we don't want to just release that. We won't release faith for everyone to pray and believe God. Miracles instantly. Healings, they speed up over time. Give it up for Eric. Hey. Man, that's cool. God, heal Robin right now. In Jesus' name. All right. That's wonderful. God is a healing God. 360 degrees all the way around. It's a mystery, and it's wonderful. All right. Um, if any of you need further prayer for anything, including, of course, healing, we will have healing teams up here after the service here in just a second. So queue up over this, this direction. And then um, just have a great week. Be blessed. Be blessed. I'm going to pray for you all. Jesus, help us. Jesus, help us with everything that we need help with empower all of our lives every every bit of it i pray for all the people who who have uh who have um work week jobs i just pray for extra special grace in those jobs i pray that you would give them um an imagination for their jobs that they haven't had maybe in years i pray for people um in middle management god that you would make middle management amazing for them that they would have all kinds of new ideas on how to interact with the people that they work with, and that they would have all kinds of new ideas about how to bless everyone they work alongside with. And I pray for people working in technology, that you would give them new understanding of the technology, and that you would even give them understanding beyond their normal understanding, and they would be able to serve the people around them amazingly, amazingly well. And I pray for people who do not have jobs but want them, And I pray that you would give them jobs. And I pray for people that are in the wrong job, that you would give them a new correct job. Amen. All right. Have a great week.